Hello and welcome to Conf Tea with your SE. I am your host, Brian Young, and I'm joined by my co-host, Brian Boyd. How are you doing, Brian? I'm doing great today, Brian. How about yourself? Fantastic. Just a reminder that the thoughts and opinions expressed on this show do not necessarily represent the views of Cisco or their affiliates. Recommendations and suggestions made on this show should not be considered as replacements for Cisco TAC or Cisco Certified Partners advice. Please consult with these resources before making any major changes to your environment. Now that that's out of the way, Brian, we've got a pretty cool uh, uh, episode planned for today. Uh, we're going to be talking about the topic in your wheelhouse, data center switching. We are going to be focusing today on what the differences are between our data center lineup and our access layer lineup and why we have two different models uh, of switching in that in those fields, right? We have the catalyst switching on the access layer, which most of our customers are very familiar with. And then we also have the Nexus lineup that goes in our data center. And I'm sure that you've gotten this question quite a bit where our customers will ask us, why can't we just put a catalyst switch in the data center? Or they'll try to. Uh, Maybe they won't even ask us. They'll just try to put a catalyst switch in the data center as a core or as maybe a top of rack or, God forbid, an iSCSI interface. Um, And we try to uh, educate our customers on why that's not necessarily the best thing to do. And we just want to take the opportunity today to kind of dive a little bit in depth into that um, and discuss that. So, Brian, top top thoughts on that topic? Of course, yes. This is uh, definitely something I've seen multiple times. And it's important to remember that the needs of a campus network are going to be completely different from the needs of a data center network. In the campus, you're going to be mostly user-focused, and this is going to mean that you're interconnecting desktops, phones, wireless access points, etc. This means that the protocols and requirements are going to be focused on RJ45 ports because most of this is going to be hooked up with CAT5 or CAT6 cable. Um, The access points today are going to be requiring M-Gig to get up to 10-Gig on a CAT6 cable and power over Ethernet for the phones and access points. It's a very different beast going, you don't need PoE in the data center. Oh, absolutely not, yeah. Hopefully not. (laughs) You probably won't find very much RJ45 either. That's true. And in the data center, your your applications are going to be the focus. Okay. Um, And today, you'll find that most are virtualized. This means that you need much more density, latency sensitivity, and storage protocols because it'll be accessing some sort of backend storage. Right, that makes sense. And one of the things I was thinking about um, when we were we were researching this topic is the number of acts that need to go back and forth on a data center switch is going to be brutally more than the number of acts that need to pass through an access layer switch, right? Because ideally you've got uh, a single stream that's being acknowledged back and forth on the access layer port on that particular machine, maybe maybe a couple streams, but at the end of the day, when you're looking at a data center switch, that one server, or in this case, because most of the stuff is virtualized, the multitude of servers that are behind that single port are dealing with thousands, if not tens of thousands of acts that need to go back and forth. And this is what we would call a mouse flow, right? Exactly. You hit the nail on the head there. And this can lead to some bursty traffic as well. You know, there's going to be periods of time where maybe the virtual machines aren't talking as much and mm-hmm. periods of time where they all want to get out at once. If you try to funnel it over a something like a one gig link, you can end up with a lot of drop packets. 
we're kind of skipping around here, but that also brings up the topic of uh, oversubscription, right? Um, the idea of oversubscription being that you have a single uplink port to feed your 48 downlink ports. Um, and with this is something that we focus on the access layer quite a bit, but it also has to be considered when you're going up the stream and you're looking at distribution and even uh, core uh, and top of rack. What would be the general kind of recommendations for those different layers? Great, uh, great topic. I'm glad you brought this up. So for the campus network, it's almost impossible to get oversubscription down to close to a one-to-one ratio. Right. And this is normal. This is expected. And this is something you'll see in almost every campus network. But we would recommend about 20 to one for access ports to distribution and around four to one for distribution to core. Okay. Very good. So 20 to one, just to kind of visualize it here, if you've got 48 one gig ports um, and you want to do a 20 to one, you're roughly looking at two, three gigs. Exactly. If you can do more than that, that's that's absolutely recommended, but I wouldn't do less. Gotcha. Now, this brings up an interesting topic. Uh, you, you mentioned MGIG before, and for the customers that aren't familiar with that, this is a standard that Cisco developed and has now become an actual recognized IEEE standard uh, that allows us to do up to 10 gig uh, now over CAT 6. I think you can do 5 gig up to uh, CAT 5e. Uh, you can squeeze a little bit more if it's a shorter run. The reason that this was developed was specifically for access points. We've got 802.11ac and now coming out eventually will be uh, Wi-Fi 6 as it's uh, more commonly called that has theoretical outputs of about 11 gigs um, in the throughput on the wireless side. And, of course, when you're connecting to a one-gig port, now you talk, I mean, talk about oversubscription, uh, you're really, you're, your bottleneck now becomes that wire. When we're talking on the access layer, because at the end of the day, your access points are usually connected to the access layer switching, if you've got a dozen or so 10-gig access points connected to a switch, you've got to keep in mind your oversubscription ratios that we discussed especially if you're going to stack these switches together and you're going to have only one or two uplinks going back. Uh, 40 gig uplink may not be enough. A single 40 gig uplink may not be enough for, you know, 40 10 gig uh, connections over Wi-Fi 6. Exactly. And I think we'll, we'll see a lot of customers start to move to this, this new standard of, you know, wireless networking. And in a lot of cases, they'll get these great new features with these new abilities, and that one gig bottleneck is going to completely ruin their network. So, it's going to be something they're going to be chasing for for quite a while, unfortunately. But yeah, these are all definitely things to to take into consideration um, when considering how you want to upgrade your network. Um, but let's go back to the data center because one of the things that we uh, briefly touched on that I, I'd like to kind of go to a little bit further down the rabbit hole is things like uh, smart buffers. We, I mentioned uh, mouse flows, and for those not familiar with it, um, we have uh, terminology where we have elephant flows versus mouse flows. And it's exactly how you would uh, imagine it to be described, right? An elephant flow is, is uh, a large a flow of large packets, you know, full-size packets. Maybe you think of a video stream, um, a, a big... Uh, stream of traffic that's being uh, broadcast through the wire, uh, whereas a mouse flow would be that ACK coming back, right? So when, especially as we talked about before in the data center, you're going to have a ton of mouse flows and elephant flows as servers are serving up their data and getting the acknowledgments or the 
the requests coming back. The requests are obviously going to be much smaller than the than the the what the server is going to serve back. So when researching this, I came across some interesting numbers here. About eighty to ninety percent of the flows in a data center network are what we would call mouse flows, and the remaining ten to twenty percent are elephant flows. However, only ten percent of the data traffic load is contained in mice flows. So you have a smaller number of elephant flows, but they carry about 90% of the traffic. And when you kind of look at how a data center works and uh, the servers that are connected to them serving up their data uh, to the requests, uh, the requesting clients on the other end, that kind of makes sense. But having it visualized that way, it really kind of puts two and two together as far as being able to understand, okay, this is why you know, mouse flows are just as important as elephant flows, right? A lot of times we'll focus on things like throughput. Um, and, you know, we, we touched on that briefly with the oversubscription discussion, right? We're looking at bandwidth. We're looking at that connectivity. But we're not necessarily considering all those different types of traffic flows that are going to be going through that, whether, we ha- whether it's low latency acknowledgments or low latency voice traffic. Um, you know, that's all this kind of traffic is very latency sensitive. Or we've just got, you know, very high throughput uh, data traffic, video, backups, uh, iSCSI traffic, where we just need to get this packet pushed as as fast as possible down this pipe. Um, so data center switching has to do it both, and it has to do it very well. It cannot sacrifice speed for latency and vice versa. Um, so this is where Cisco differentiates itself um, with the uh, intelligent buffers. I believe it's... it's uh, um, in, the, in the cloud scale ASICs in the new Nexus 9K lineup. Awesome. So let's let's dive into that a little bit. Um, I wanted to touch quickly upon upon the uh, intelligent buffers. And Brian, I'll as as you're the expert, I'll let you kind of uh, correct me if I'm wrong here. But the way I'm understanding it here um, is we have dedicated port buffers on the Nexus lineup. Um, but if you look at our competition and you and you compare our buffer size versus theirs, they'll kind of tell, oh well, we've got a 50 meg buffer, and you know Cisco only has five or Cisco only has ten. And, you know, on paper, that looks like a disadvantage to us. However, uh, with some testing that, have been, that has been done, because we use smart uh, or because we use intelligent buffering and we're using algorithms to be aware of the type of traffic that is in these buffers and to give uh, certain traffic priority over others, we are not needing to use 50 megs. We only need to use, you know, one or two megs. And in the testing that I'm uh, looking at here, that's uh, just laid out in the white paper that we'll link in the show notes, um, the maximum buffer space used during testing on two different Cisco switch, Cisco Nexus switches was less than three megs. Whereas the competition had a 50 meg buffer and they actually, um, they had, a, they had a buffer overflow, and they were using 52. Now that's a problem because if you're gonna if you're gonna go over your buffer, you're gonna start dropping traffic, uh, and obviously that's not something you want your switch to do. I think uh, especially you, not in the data center. No, you you said it best. Uh, best effort in the data center is not good enough. Absolutely not. So I'd love to hear your input on this, Brian. Um, you know, either if you have anything else to add on the smart, the intelligent buffer, or um, as you said, the cloud uh, the cloud ASICs. Yeah, absolutely. I just want to pull it back to the elephant and mice flows for a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, generally, you'll find that the elephant flows, you know, containing most of the traffic in your data center through a shorter number of runs, 
is going to be, we'll call it your data traffic, whereas the mice flows are more of your control traffic. Uh, just because they're smaller doesn't mean they're any less important, which is something you touched on. In fact, I would argue that they're more important because a, a lot of time they're keep alive, they're TCP traffic, like you're mentioning, and uh, they have incredibly low latency requirements. Um, in traditional switching, uh, not just our competition, but anything that isn't a, a Nexus 9K, you have a standard buffer that has no intelligence and no visibility in what type of flow it is. This means that an elephant flow and a mice flow will be treated exactly the same. And in order to do that, you have to have a lot of buffer space carved out, like you were mentioning. What the CloudScale ASICs try to do is say, hey, we don't need that buffer space almost all of the time. Uh, what we can do is actually have the elephant flows run as normal. We can recognize them intelligently. And when we have some space to slip a mice flow in, we can easily do that because we know it's a shorter flow. It has you know, lower requirements and we can intelligently start to stitch this traffic together so that we're maximizing our buffer space without just throwing more space at it. That's a smart way to do it because now we don't need to worry so much about how many megabytes of buffer do we have on each port or in each switch, right? We're doing this at the ASIC level um, and we're able to intelligently determine what these flows are and, and make, make decisions in real time. Right? Exactly, and, and it is important to mention that this does lead to better performance. Better performance is always a good thing. I don't know anyone that's come to me and asked me for a low-performing switch intentionally, um, but definitely uh, food for thought there. So another thing we want to discuss today is looking forward uh, at Cisco's next generation and kind of what's coming down the pipeline, right? What's what's happening now uh, and what's to come, right? We've if you've been following Cisco at all, you've been hearing a lot about intent-based networking, right? We had some really good commercial spots where they were talking about ha having the network being able to, you can basically tell the network what you want it to do and what your intent is, and then the network can kind of configure itself and um, operate on that intent. So in the data center, I would imagine that we've got a very similar uh, storyline there, Brian. Absolutely. We have something called application-centric networking in the data center, which I think is a very appropriate name given that we just had a discussion at the beginning of this session today talking about how applications are the lifeblood of a data center. Um, and it's exactly like you mentioned. You know, you, you give the, the network your intent, and it will assign appropriate policies for you. And everything else matches up with what we've been talking about today. You know, ACI really focuses on applications, as the name suggests, and it does this uh, through the, the CloudScale ASICs of the Nexus 9 case. It does this with policies that you configure. It does this with whitelisting applications uh, for a more secure data center. It, once again, you really don't need features like PoE, MGIG, anything like that. So it really just matches up with the entire data center storyline that we have. Awesome. So, Brian, explain to me what is SpineLeaf. Is this a different method of, of connectivity and, and a hierarchy, or is this what, what is this, and how does this relate to ACI versus the way we've been doing it? Right. So I think all of us are familiar with the core distribution access layer model. Right, um, core distribution or collapsed core distribution, right. And, and this gives you a lot of flexibility, which I would say a lot of times is something that isn't needed in a data center. Okay. You know, you, you'll have a back-end storage, you'll have your servers, you want to connect them up, and then you need to connect this back to your campus core somehow. Mm -hmm. 
Um, so what ACI does is it says, hey, this, you know, this, this core distribution access layer model might not be the most efficient way to go about things. So the spine-leaf topology um, brings a different way of thinking to the table. Uh, so every, just to map this out for you, every spine is connected to every leaf. No spines are connected to each other, and no leaves are connected to each other. Everything in your data center will connect up to the leaves. So okay. the only thing connected to the spines are leaves. What this means is that, just envisioning this, any virtual machine that wants to talk to any other virtual machine in your network is always a predictable three hops away. This means that your latency is always going to be incredibly consistent, which, as we talked about earlier, is very important in a data center. Absolutely. Latency, latency, latency. That seems to be the biggest concern in the data center traffic. Absolutely. When you start talking about back-end storage and uh, virtual machine to virtual machine traffic, right. latency is going to be one of the most important metrics. When we're talking um, virtual machine to virtual machine topic, you may hear us talk, uh, refer to it as east-west traffic, exactly. uh, traffic that goes across, that stays in your data center, that goes back and forth. Uh, and we also may hear us talk about uh, north-south traffic going in and out of the data center uh, or out to the Internet. I am glad you brought that up as well because north-south traffic is something you'll find that's very common in a campus network where users will need to communicate and access resources. In a data center, uh, given that, Roughly, I would say 80% of the traffic is going to be virtual machine to storage or virtual machine to virtual machine traffic. East-West is going to be much more predominant there. Right. And this is why having consistently low latency on that East-West traffic is going to be so vital. Well, this has been great, Brian. Thank you very much for uh, enlightening us today. In, in summary, I think um, what we want to take away from this is don't use a cheap switch in the data center. Latency is very important, especially on that east-west traffic. And just know that your Cisco account team is here to help you, uh, whether you are lucky enough to have Brian or myself as your uh, your SEs um, or not. And all of our Cisco SEs are trained with these technologies and have the resources available to them to get you demos, uh, maybe some trial gear, uh, and just an overall presentation on how this technology works. Uh, Brian, I'd like to thank you for coming in today and uh, talking with us about data center. And I think our next episode, we might go a little bit deeper into that intent-based networking and look at things like software-defined access on the campus layer. So thank you again. And thank you for listening to ConfT with your SE. If you like the show, please consider sharing with your friends and colleagues and giving us a rating on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. Show notes for this episode can be found on our website at conft.show. That's C-O-N-F-T dot S-H-O-W. Until next time, stay safe out there and don't forget to save that config. <laughs>